start our episode off by smoking a little bowl in honor of 420. Um, This is one of my favorite holidays out of the year, and I honestly don't celebrate a lot of holidays, but this is one of them for sure. So I just went to the dispensary for the 420 sale, and I have a bunch of little things here. So first, I have Gushers. This is an indigo sativa hybrid, and I love it. The lady at the dispensary was saying that, like, it smells and tastes like Gushers, and she tried it herself, and part of me felt like she was lying, but the majority of me wanted to. So I did. And then I also have this. I kind of got this for my boyfriend. Um, this is called Royal Wedding. It's a hybrid between Four Kings and Wedding Crasher. This is another hybrid too. Um, I typically love hybrids. I don't really lean towards indigo or sativa. And then I also got this. This is kind of a mystery item. It's a cannabis infused lip balm. So they were basically saying that if you apply this like three times, you will be high. And I kind of just got it because I needed a lip balm. This, I'll give you guys an update on this to see if it works. And so in my bowl, I have the Four Kings and Royal Wedding. And then my friend also gave me some blue lotus flower. So we're going to smoke a little bowl together in honor of 420. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're listening to this at home or school, whenever you get the chance today, just smoke a little bowl, okay? And this is also a good chance to take like some deep breaths because bitch, I fucking need them. I know you need them. We need to take the tension off our shoulders. Take some deep breaths while you're inhaling this royal wedding. So I have a lot of things to talk about with you guys. I've been getting settled into my new place and trying to find the time to record a new episode. I love it so much. I'm still trying to clear out this bowl, guys. I have asthma, so, like, my little lungs are doing their thing right now. So, last night was a solar eclipse on April 19th, if you guys didn't know. And the solar eclipse is just a really good, like, signal for growth and new opportunities. Like, if you want anything to manifest into the physical realm, I like to write it on a note and put it outside with the moon or put it under my pillow. Honestly, I wouldn't say that the solar eclipse is a good time for moon water because any time is a good time for moon water. But yeah, you could probably make some moon water on the eclipse too. I love making moon water and then like just drinking it so I can just embody the spirituality. I'm so happy you guys are here to join me in my 420 celebrations and 
have a list of hot girl manifestation tips for you. So if you guys didn't know there was a solar eclipse, there's still time. You can manifest all day, every day. And so I wrote down this list of things that has worked for me. And I know you guys have been asking like manifestation tips for apartment hunting, manifestation tips for a new place or talking to my crush. I got you. Okay. So the first one on my list is be specific. I used to manifest and just say things like, oh, I want to be happier. I want the world to be a more positive place. I want to bring more money into my life. You have to be specific. So instead of saying, I want to be happier, say, I want to be happier at home or I want to be happier at work. I want to be happier with myself. That's definitely the top of my list. And then number two is that no goal is too big or too small. So it doesn't matter if you're manifesting like a 10 bedroom house. If that's what you want to put on your list, put it on there. But I always say don't expect results with any of these things instantly because if you think about it too much and stress on it too much, it probably won't work as good as it normally would. And so... You can also have different goals for manifestation. So this is my month manifestation or my one year manifestation or even five year manifestation. You could even have a list of lifetime goals. Just make sure that you get the time period correct with the goal because that's a really important part. Number two is practice gratitude. I used to have a really big problem to where when anything good happened in my life or I knew there was something better coming, I would fantasize on that thing and stress about that thing and focus on it all day. And it really stopped me from living in the present and just kind of being here now. So I would say we need to practice like positivity because if you're grateful for the things that you have and you're being where you are and staying mindful, then it's a lot easier for good things and good energy to come to you. I hate to be that guy that's like, oh, like love comes when you least expect it. But bitch, manifestation comes when you least expect it to. It comes when you're not looking for it. You kind of have to have a good mix of like, looking and not looking okay so my next tip is write it down this is probably my most important and most useful one anything that I manifest I write it down because that's already a base level of bringing it from like the spiritual and mental world into the physical world and so I would definitely say that if you have a little journal or even a piece of paper, just write down some things that you're feeling and wanting and write down a list and come back to it later and you can cross off how many of those things happened, add new things, add more things. That's always been really inspiring to me. And then I also have a cleaning job and so I had this client and I was cleaning her house. And guys, I'm nosy because when you're cleaning someone's house, you know you're going to be looking at their stuff. When I go to the bathroom at my friend's house or at a company's house and I'm just, I know I'm going to be looking in the shower, looking through their stuff. I'm a nosy bitch, okay? So I was cleaning this client's house and she had like a little box on her dresser. 
And so I'm looking at her little box and I see this, all of these pieces of paper. And so then I read the paper and I realize that they're prayers. And so her prayers were like, okay, I'm not going to dox or disclose her prayers, but her prayers were just things like, God, can you please help me have a new house? Or can you please help me succeed at work? Or can you please help me learn to be happier in my own skin? And those aren't her exact prayers. Those are just some general recommendations. And I'm not really religious, but I am spiritual. So ever since I saw that, the energy of her box just felt so strong to me. And I kind of have been feeling like I want to get a little prayer jar for myself. Because even if you don't believe in God... It's a good thing just to keep around, like to have a physical like vessel of your manifestations with you and in your home and stuff at all times because then as they happen, it's just a good thing to focus on and fixate on and to like stay hopeful. It's a good thing to vent to. I vent in my journal all the time. I'm gonna vent in my little prayer jar. And even if people think that these things don't work, Alana and I talked about on our other episode that do crystals actually work or is it the, the ideas that you're putting into the crystal that are making it work? So even if you're putting ideas into the jar to make it work, it's still working just a different way. So I would definitely say that and then stay positive guys like I understand that bad things happen but if something bad happens to you and you're already in a good positive mood it's a lot easier to stay motivated and to bounce back rather than if you're sad all the time and taking blow after blow after blow from everything that's happening and like I said don't focus on your manifestations too much try to stay like in the real world that's definitely a really important part because if you fixate on them too much and you're expecting results instantly like that is going to be a lot slower because you're fixating on them and it's if you're too caught up in the manifestations you're not going to be able to do what you need to do in the physical world to make them happen i would also advise you guys like if you have any good luck charms or crystals you can carry those around with you I have a little necklace that I made. Um, it was a display necklace for my shop, and I was planning to sell it, but I just liked it so much that I kept it for myself. Um, if you guys have not followed me on Instagram, it's at the Stoner Fairy. You can see all the stuff that I make. But my necklace has a little wrapped piece of Moldavite on it. And the Moldavite was a part of a necklace that I got dang I've had the same crystal for over three years so I got it on Etsy like three years ago and the necklace broke and I never carried around my Moldavite ever again and so I wanted to find something and make something that could incorporate it into my daily life your good luck charm doesn't have to be a Moldavite it doesn't have to be a crystal just anything that like brings you comfort and helps you stay motivated um, I would also say you guys should celebrate any success no matter how big 
or small. Like, I understand that when we get caught, like, in the throes of daily life and everything, especially the older you get and the more adult stuff you start doing, it's hard to celebrate your success. But anything that you care about is something worth celebrating, whether it's brushing your teeth or getting out of bed on time or paying a bill. Those are all things worth being happy about so you know tell your friends give yourself a little treat because somebody has to motivate you bitch do it and then I also wrote positive intent changes everything this is 100% true like I used to be so sad all the time thinking like oh he's probably gonna say no or he's probably gonna ignore me anyway or that I'm probably not gonna get the job or they probably won't like me now that I've reformated my ideology to I know they will or I hope they will or I have a good feeling everything's going to go well so many more positive things have been happening to me on the daily and something else I would also recommend about the gratitude journaling is you can even write daily small things on there too. Like if I pulled out my gratitude journals, it would be stuff like, oh, I got a big strawberry today. I got a good place in the sun at the coffee shop. Those are two real things pulled out of my journal. I get happy about small stuff and that's okay. So the next thing I wrote, is you have to be kind to yourself and stop the negative self-talk. This took me years to get over, and I still struggle with it sometimes. Um, I would have this little voice in my head just telling me that, like, I don't deserve this, I'm not worth it, and just various things that would bring me down throughout the day. And so I saw this post that was like you have to be kind to yourself as if you would be kind to a friend or a child or anybody else that you loved like if your friend failed a test you're not going to tell them oh you didn't study for the test you're dumb you should have studied anyway you're going to be like oh it's okay you can take another test you can get it next time and i've just started being a little more gentle with myself because I have a tendency to be too hard on myself and keep pushing until I'm broken and I would tell myself oh you can always do more you can always do better and I never really got the chance to just be comfortable and to just be happy because I was always fixating on the next thing and so on the topic of my new place guys i'm sure you hear all the airplanes i'm in the middle of the city and so as much as i love my house um that's one of the only things that i don't like is there's so many airplanes because it's like literally probably 10 to 20 airplanes a day like every 30 minutes and so I also have a train right next to my house that part I kind of like because the airplanes and the trains kind of are a form of white noise and I lived in a place before that was really quiet so I remember thinking to myself like dang it's too quiet over here I wish there was more noise and I guess I got my wish guys so I have 
right here some manifestation tips for a new apartment or new house or just new living space i know you guys were asking me because i was talking about applying for places and looking for places and signing my lease i've officially moved in i love it so fucking much so everything on my list is checked i remember last year and probably before last year too, I was kind of just writing a mental list and a physical list of things I wanted in my perfect space. And you honestly have to do that. Like sit down, imagine your dream space and write down everything you want in it. So on mine, I'd put natural light. My house definitely has a bunch of natural light. One thing that I didn't like about my apartment is that there weren't enough windows and so when you're touching other people, they physically cannot put enough windows or they might put windows in super weird places where you don't need them. And so my bathroom didn't have any windows. My living room didn't have any windows. It just made me really sad. And so I had to make sure that my new house had a lot of natural light because the lack of vitamin D was definitely affecting my mental health. Okay. Number two, I put down double shower. I've wanted one of these ever since I was little, guys. And obviously, in my dream place where I'll have my architectural digest interview, there's going to be a real double shower. But for now, I just set up, it's a shower head that has an extended arm which is like a piece you can take off and it has a diverter so there's a main shower head that sprays water and then there's a secondary shower head the smaller and I've kind of like I have these little hooks and so I've hooked it along the side of my wall so that it goes all the way around to the back and water can hit you from the back and the front at the same time. This was at my babysitter's house when I was little and I have been like dreaming and fantasizing about it ever since. It really levels up your shower experience, guys. The shower head was like $40 at Walmart. This is a sustainable double shower hat. And so third on my list was that it had to be a good neighborhood slash walkable and I'm super excited. I'm right next to my favorite coffee shops and all of the things going on in the city. There's always different like parties and festivals here and I feel like being right next to all of the happenings of the world will encourage me to get outside more and to meet more people and it's also just soothing to me to hear people living their lives around me and so that's definitely a must for me because our cities are slowly becoming less and less walkable. And when you think about tourist countries like fucking Berlin and Jamaica and Venice and stuff, the reason why people love these places is that you can walk around anywhere. And that's another reason why I love to move to like Hot Springs, Arkansas, because it's just a little mountain town. And they're called 14-minute cities, where basically... Each street is multiple strips of all the stores in the city, all the gas stations in the city, and then the houses are super walkable too because the entire town is only 30 minutes long. And so in the entire town of Hot Springs, there's no, there's no interstate. So you have to leave the city to get on the interstate and 
I have been kind of enjoying having all of the little stores and coffee shops nearby because I can roller skate to them and I can just walk around the block too like while I'm talking on the phone or listening on music and so a daily walk will literally like level up your life so much and so the last thing on my list is a two-bedroom house at least because I needed a bedroom and then I needed living space and then I needed a home office for my podcasts and my crafts and stuff and so my house is not a mansion it's only I think it's a thousand square feet exactly but the way that there's the natural light and the ceilings are really high stretches out the space a lot and it's super big to me because I pay for every square foot okay And so I also added to my list and I needed to have a front yard and a backyard for my pets because I have a lot of fucking pets, guys. I have like three dogs. I have a little kitty who's in the room next to me right now. I have a bird, a bunny. During the spring and summer, I like to keep ducks just for fun. And so I guarantee I'm forgetting something. I have a ball python Um, I have multiple fish. I have a thousand plants. So I have a bunch of living things that I take care of. My boyfriend, he's on my pet list too. And so I needed to have a front yard and a backyard for my pets. And I also needed to make sure that I had room to garden because I love to garden. I love to eat what I grow and grow stuff for my family and my pets and people I love. And so that was definitely a must for me. I grew things at my apartment too and had a pretty big garden. But my apartment complex told me that I had to take my garden down because they wanted the units in the front of the complex to look more uniform. And so that made me really sad. But they gave me like a 10-day notice to take it down. So I took what I could inside. And of course, I had to take it down. And so I'm really excited to be able to like plant flowers and to go outside. And guys, yesterday I hurt myself so bad. I was installing a trampoline as a gift for me and my boyfriend. Because the more I get into the adult world, the more I kind of just and realizing I need to slow down and calm down and do things that used to be fun to me. So I have a console and game collection. I play a lot of games. I jump on the trampoline. I have chocolate milk at my house. I love chocolate milk. Guys, I'm only 19. So in my mind, I'm still like a 13 year old playing Five Nights at Freddy's and eating pizza every day. And so that was definitely a must for me. Um, I needed the trampoline. I also installed a dance pole in my house. (laughs) That was definitely a must for me. Um, I need to be able to dance and entertain my guests. It's also just a really good full body workout. And it's really fun to like get exercise and to learn tricks and stuff. I really like it. I hope you guys are going to see some more about that on my page and stuff. And then the next thing on my list, this is on my wish list. I don't have it yet, but I'm getting it. It's an inflatable jacuzzi. And so my house is basically going to be like the ultimate party spot. I need that. So I'm going to have 
the speaker system, the jacuzzi, the trampoline, the garden. I'm going to have vintage patio furniture. I still haven't picked out what kind I want yet, but I think you guys are getting like my vision. Another thing I forgot to add to my list was that I really wanted my house to have wood floors. This wasn't a must, but it was definitely something that I wanted, and I'm glad that everything on my list that I manifested, I got, and it came into fruition, even down to the exact pattern of tile I wanted in my bathroom. And it's nice to see, like, I guess all of my hard work coming into fruition because especially if you're one of those people who like denies yourself or tells yourself that you always have to keep going or that you're nothing you ever do is enough and to physically manifest something and then to see it right here in front of you every day is just like it's a constant reminder to me to keep working and keep doing what I'm doing because it's helping build the type of life that I would be proud to live and the type of life that I want to live. And so that really helps with my mental health and it helps me keep doing what I'm doing too because other than the stuff we see in front of us, like it's really hard to be motivated. And so your space plays a lot in your motivation. I'm actually going to do a special episode on my Patreon um, about this YouTube video that I saw and some tips from the video that stuck with me and how I implemented them and it really leveled up my space and leveled up my life. And so if you guys haven't subscribed to the Patreon or checked it out yet, it's stonerfairy.com slash Patreon. And so I really didn't realize that, okay, I know this sounds simple, but I really didn't realize how much what's right in front of you influences your life. And so that can be something as little as food or decor or what's around you outside or what's around you at work. Like all of that stuff is so important. It doesn't matter where the fuck you're at. Anything that's around you should be like only stuff that you want to be around you because it's going to affect you and your subconscious. And so every day I would wake up like at my apartment and like look out to like there was no grass in my apartment. They took up all the grass and covered all of the ground with pine needles in order to save on lawn work. And so there was no grass in my apartment. There were too many trees and not enough windows. And the way that the windows in my apartment were facing, let's see, if the sun rises in the east, my windows were facing west. So I would only get sun for the half of the day. So the first half of the day, that would be my neighbor. She gets the sunrise and I get the sunset. And it's depressing because when you're eating and sleeping and living in a space that doesn't get enough sunlight and we can't always be outside. Like sometimes I don't want to be outside. I want to be at home. And so I tried like the daylight lights. That just wasn't working for me because I also need like the fresh air. I need the feeling of the warmth of my skin. And so I'm glad to be in a place that has a lot of natural light now. Um, something that I would definitely recommend is, okay, so my apartment is a thousand square feet. My house, guys, sorry, I'm still in apartment mode. So my house is a thousand square feet. Um, it has two bedrooms and two bathrooms, a front yard, a backyard, a front porch, and a back porch. Like, you can actually sit on these. And it has an attic. 
And so I'm also planning on building a shed soon. Stay tuned. But it um it has a lot of space for a good price. I only pay eleven hundred a month here and it's in a good neighborhood. So I actually found this house on a place that would be shocking to you all, but not shocking to you all. I found it on Craigslist. And when I was looking at the ad, I decided to just reply anyway, but it looked super shady. The picture was super grainy. Um, the description was really short and it only had two pictures, a picture of the front and then only a picture of the living room. And so I decided to pursue it anyway. And it turns out that it wasn't a shady adder, wasn't a scammer. My landlord is just really old and does not really know how to work the internet. So I looked out and I ended up contacting him and meeting up with him. But prior to that, I would check Craigslist daily um, for places for rent or even for sublet in my area because sometimes when people are subletting they might be willing to just let you rent out the thing indefinitely or maybe extend it to a year if you really want to move. Um, I also check Facebook and guys beware of scammers on all of these places too but I also check Facebook marketplace for places to rent. I join local groups in my area of landlords landlords and stuff that are renting stuff out and one of my biggest tips of all guys look for places for rent by owner or places for rent by private owners because that's another thing that'll really level up your renting experience too is if you're renting from an actual person they're able to be more lenient on the requirements and stuff that you need or more lenient on the pet fees or the just anything because it's an actual person you're talking to and not a corporation and so for rent by owner basically means that the person who's renting it out is the person that's the landlord that's who you'll be dealing with and so I was lucky to found a landlord that was a husband and wife he's actually super chill I actually was having a really insightful conversation with my landlord yesterday while he was fixing my garbage disposal and I was just trying to talk to him and like say hey and make sure everything was going okay but we ended up having a conversation about race and poverty and how when he was a teenager people used to be forced to be drafted and he was forced to be drafted in the Vietnam War and then he was saying that he actually had a bunch of friends that did various different things to try to get out of being drafted. Like some claimed to be crazy, some cut off their fingers, and then another friend that he had that fled to Canada and couldn't come back for 25 years. Then he said that President Clinton passed a law that allowed his friend to be able to come back. And so I was like, dang, like this is crazy. How did you hide from being drafted? And he said that he literally went underground. He went underground and when they came to draft him, he slept through it. And they would also do like intelligence tests too to see if you were even smart enough to be able to be drafted. And so he tried to get a zero on the test. And so then eventually America, sorry guys, allergies. <sighs> then eventually America just stopped forcing people to get drafted because they ended up with a bunch of people who didn't even want to be in the war and obviously didn't want to fight for their countries or anything. And then we had a really deep conversation about poverty too. My landlord is white guys, but he's super self-aware. And so he was recommending me this book that he's reading called Poverty. And he said that 
And this is like a groundbreaking realization to me. He said that he doesn't think that racism is the problem. He thinks that that is poverty and that he used to live in different parts of where we live throughout his entire life. And when his son started going to soccer practice in like a wealthier middle-class neighborhood, they would interact with black people perfectly fine. It wasn't like black people that white people seem to hate. It was just poor black people. And I feel like this applies to any race too. And I've never really heard someone say, racism isn't the problem but I kind of agree with him because a lot of times racism isn't the problem a lot of times it is guys most of the times it is but we never really consider the problem that it could not be and so he was basically saying in the book like that it has statistics about poverty and what races are the most impoverished and then he was saying that he doesn't understand why People treat impoverished people like they're second-class citizens when they're just victims of capitalism, which typically, yeah. And so I'm definitely going to take his book wreck. Maybe I'll read it and add it to the Stonerberry reading list for you guys. He also was telling me, I guess, the story of how he met his wife and stuff. And when he was a child, like, the world was so different and how he can't get online and the technology makes his head hurt and I was honestly like fucking same and so another thing I wrote in here for you guys in lieu of my new place is a list of ADHD hacks okay so some of my mantras to if you decide to be like unmedicated then bitch you have to do more work if you're gonna live an unmedicated life so some of the things that I've done to make my life easier is to just tell myself when you see it do it so if you see something that needs to be picked up don't say I'll pick that up later or I'll wash that dish later just literally do it right there and that'll instantly declutter your home or something's just been sitting there but kind of annoying you just pick it up and so the second thing on my list is calendar. I have a little kitty calendar that I was gifted. It just helps to see stuff and visualize it right in front of you. Like if you have any dates coming up or can help you like know which part, which day of the week it is. I know that sounds crazy and I know all of this stuff is on our phones, but I still kind of need a reminder of what day of the week it is. I also have a charger for each location. So I have a home charger. And then I have a charger I only keep in my car. I have a charger I only keep in my backpack for when I go places. This has helped because I used to carry my one charger everywhere. And I would lose it or break it or leave it places. And the charger itself would get like that thing where it like bends where the port and the charger connects. And it just has connectivity issues. So definitely do that. I also tell myself that more space does not equal more stuff. And just because I've moved into a new place, I know that's like a sign to like buy new things and to like start leveling up your space. But I need to sort through all of my stuff before I'm able to like buy new stuff. And I struggle with that a lot. So I'm going to completely declutter and completely spring clean and then, and only then, will I be buying new stuff. And I've only bought, like, subtle stuff that I know that I'll need or I know that I want. Like, I still buy myself little treats sometimes, but just not all the time. And so I'm super excited because I'm also setting in, setting up, like, a walk-in closet 
like slash wardrobe my second room is gonna have like a bunch of racks with my clothes on them and stuff that way I can see everything that I want to wear and it'll be a lot easier and I've always been really organized with my clothes like they're color coordinated and I have like all my skirts in one place all my jeans in one place and so I'm about to level it up bitches and I'm gonna be so fucking stylish this summer and it's crazy because I've also become kind of like a minimalist. So I'm going to organize all of my clothes and stuff, but literally only wear like five items. And so the last thing on my list is to do stretches um, throughout the day or when you wake up. And that when you're waking up, if you're the type of person to like sleep through your alarms, like jump up and eject yourself out of bed and I swear to God you're gonna be up fast as fuck because if you jolt yourself up like that and get going like it's easier to keep going and doing what you're doing than it is to lie back down and so I tell myself that too and then also I like to pretend that I'm like a part of the sims and I'm like a sim completing tasks and doing stuff that helps me with my ADHD too because it's easier to just zone out and like do the dishes or do my chores like I'm playing a little <laughs> sometimes I tell myself that when I'm at work I'm playing a work simulator so when I'm at home I'm playing a life simulator and so now that we got all of those things out of the way I want to talk with you guys we're going to have a little history lesson about the history of 420, okay? So, a lot of us celebrate 420, but we don't really know where it originates from, and I haven't really seen a lot of people talk about it. So, I have this article from Fox, of all places, pulled up. And it says, Americans are flocking to social media or hanging out with their best buds on 420 to celebrate. According to National Calendar, 420 Day is celebrated every year on April 20, where cannabis producers, consumers, and advocates celebrate and smoke marijuana. On an unconventional day, the day has become a rallying cry of those who seek to legalize marijuana for medicinal and recreational uses. So then it says, where did 420 originate? So, there are many myths about where it originated, but most people believe that it originated in California of course. And so in the 1970s, a group of teenagers from San Rafael High School, they would smoke weed at 420 each day. And so then 420, like throughout the school day, became their code for marijuana. And so it was five guys and they called themselves the Waldos which referred to the wall they would sit on after school and smoke weed. And so ever since then, the origin of the Waldos was documented, and then they had a bunch of letters and records and high school newspaper clippings to, like, celebrate and honor their origins. And so somehow that got around the school and then eventually got around the world and started being popular, and then it started being promoted across the world and by bands and stuff and by Grateful Dead and Instagram and stuff really was getting popular shortly after that and social media was booming and stuff and so 420 became a nationally celebrated day and so ever since then we've also been doing like still doing the fight to make marijuana legal only fully legal and I want to say like 
10 or 15 states but in the other states it still remains like a crime at like federal level and so let's see I have a list here of where recreational and medical marijuana are legal Alaska Arizona California Colorado Connecticut Illinois Maine Massachusetts Michigan I didn't expect that one Montana Nevada New Jersey New Mexico New York Oregon of course that's my dream home guys I'm manifesting that I will live in like a house in the mountains in Oregon or like Sweden or Switzerland or something and then Vermont Virginia Washington and Washington DC and so these next states are where comprehensive medical marijuana is illegal. And that basically means that, like, you can get weed of, like, low THC qualities from, like, dispensaries and stuff if you have a valid reason. And that's the rest of the states. And so in some places, they still have, like, no weed at all. It's completely illegal. And so that's Idaho... Kansas and Nebraska interesting and I honestly it makes me feel some type of way because I don't see why it's honestly an herb and it's medicinal and a lot of people have like proved that the usage I'm pretty sure you can't even overdose on weed I remember reading something like that I'm gonna look it up for you guys Okay, so I'm looking at it right now, but it says that, obviously, an overdose is when you take too much of a drug, and it's very difficult to overdose from the drug of marijuana, but you can take too much to where you're sick and uncomfortable, but the death rates of marijuana are literally under 3%. So, do with that information what you will, guys. And so now I have pulled up the different strains of weed and like what they do because a lot of people don't know um my favorite weed to smoke is hybrids because I like a mixture of both like indica is gonna have you like sleepy and calm and sativa is gonna have you up and woke and so I like to be somewhere in the middle like kind of calm but still kind of functional throughout the day and so, I have an article here pulled up about, it says different kinds of weed have different effects. And so, the strongest types of weed tend to have a higher ratio of THC to CBD, meaning there's a lot of THC but not much CBD. And when the ratios are more even, CBD can counteract the effects of THC. So, what types of weed are there? There are two major types of weed which are determined by the species of cannabis plant they're derived from. While weed originally came from these two strains, there are now hundreds of other hybrid strains that are a mix of the two. Indica and sativa are the main types of weed that come from the cannabis plant. Indica is known for its relaxing effects, while sativa is known for its energizing effects. And then hybrid strains of weed can provide both relaxing and energizing effects. Although marijuana has been approved for medical uses, it still is used recreationally across the world. So the major types of weed and effects 
are number one, cannabis indica originated in the Hindu Kush region near Afghanistan. Interesting, guys. Because it comes from a cold, mountainous climate, it tends to be shorter and have the appearance of a bush. The leaves are darker, fuller, and rounder than the sativa plant, and the buds tend to grow in clumps. Indica produces large amounts of THC and low levels of CBD, therefore it's considered a strong weed. It tends to be very relaxing or sedating and sometimes making people who consume it just want to hang out on the couch. For this reason, it is commonly used at night before bed and it creates more of a body high due to its relaxing effects. And because of its sedative effects, indica is often used by people who experience insomnia. A recent study showed that people found relief from insomnia and pain when using the indica strain compared to sativa. And so sativa originates from the warmer climates, such as Mexico and South Africa. It tends to grow very tall, very long, thin leaves, and it will flower under certain light conditions. So it requires darkness for over 11 hours a day. And so sativa has lower levels of THC compared to indica and has higher levels of CBD, giving it more equal levels of both chemicals. The sativa strains have energizing effects and people often consume weed from these strains in the morning or the afternoon. Some people claim that these strains allow them to focus and be more creative. And sativa is also described as giving a cognitive or head high versus the body high that's normally felt with indica. Hybrid strains are made by cross-germinating the seeds of two common strains of cannabis in order to produce the effects of both. Most strains commonly grown today are hybrids rather than pure indigo or sativa. Honestly, guys, I want to try that so fucking bad, like the pure strain of indica or sativa. And so the hybrids are usually described based on the dominating effect that they have. For example, a sativa dominant strain will be more likely to provide a head high. And then this one says cannabis rudolorus is another species that was first discovered in southern Russia. Rudolorus grows shorter than the two species of weed and has thin fibrous stems and large leaves. It's also an auto-flowering plant, meaning that it will flower depending on the age of the plant rather than the light conditions. Cannabis rudolorus has very low levels of THC compared to other weed strains, making it rarely used for recreational purposes. There are certain types of weed that are more common than others and some that are more coveted for their extraordinary effects. With the ability to make hybrids that blend the effects of both, there are now designer strains of weed that are bred for maximum quality. These strains are Sour Diesel. Sour Diesel has the hybrid strain that has the effects of indica and sativa, and it also provides extreme properties of physical relaxation. I'm pretty sure I've heard Wiz Khalifa talk about this before. It is named for the gasoline-like chemical smell that its flowers make. The medium-sized buds have yellowish-green leaves, and it tends to have a sour or skunky taste that some find unpleasant. Number two is Purple Kush. Purple Kush is a pure indica strain that has a full and relaxing body high, and it has a high THC composition. The name Purple Kush comes from the color of its purple leaves and the fact that it's one of the strains that's derived from the original Kush region near Afghanistan. It's one of the most popular Kush strains used. Because of its ability to induce physical relaxation, it's commonly used by people who have chronic pain, depression, or anxiety. It's also used by people who want to relieve situations or temporary pain 
Number three is Blue Dream. Blue Dream is another hybrid strain of weed that's slightly sativa dominant. It gives an energetic high that can increase motivation and heightened focus. Some people describe it as having relaxing or pain relieving effects. I'm interested to try some of these because a lot of times the like names of weed don't like match up with what the weed actually is so i really want to like smell the sour diesel because the guys i told you the lady at the dispensary was like this smells and tastes just like gushers and like i'm smelling it and i'm like hmm like it kind of does but does it really or am i just wanting to think that it does and so the next thing i wrote on my list to talk about with you guys is where cannabis and spirituality intersect. And so cannabis has been used by shamanic and pagan cultures to ponder deeply religious and philosophical subjects related to their tribe or society. They also use it to achieve a form of enlightenment, to unravel unknown facts of the realm and human mind of the unconscious. And this one probably won't shock you guys, but it's also used as an aphrodisiac during their orgies it says that and so i also have this article pulled up from the national library of medicine.gov this is an official website from the united states okay and it talks about the spiritual benefit from cannabis and it says like many mind-altering plants Cannabis has been a part of spiritual practices for thousands of years. It has deep roots in Hinduism, Islam, Rastafarianism, and indigenous traditions in Asia, Africa, and elsewhere. Yet almost no attention has been given to how contemporary adults employ it spiritually. A sample of 1,087 participants aged 38 and under and above completed an online survey assessing their use of cannabis and other substances as well as spiritual and psychological characteristics. Spiritual benefit from cannabis was reported to be 66.1 of the sample and 5.5 reported that it has sometimes been a spiritual hindrance. And that showed that those who reported spiritual benefit differed significantly from those who did not on several outcome variables. And they also had a study that covered the motivation, their daily spiritual experience, meditation frequency, and two, those are two mindfulness facets that contributed most to the differentiating groups. And the majority of the sample, 63%, was free of cannabis use disorder, which basically means when you smoke weed every day. <laughs> No, cannabis use disorder is a real thing. It's like when you smoke every day and you can't stop smoking and like you do it to the point where like you do it too much and it's controlling your life. And so compared to the disordered groups, the non-disordered group was significantly older and scored lower on experiential avoidance, psychological distress, and several motives for use. Results suggest that spiritual motives for cannabis use may be widespread. And I've actually used weed a lot on my spiritual journey, and it really has helped me deal with not being medicated in other aspects and it's helped me lower my anxiety and be calm and talk to people and it's helped me so much that I've also been able to slowly like wean myself off of the drug like I've been cutting my weed with smoking herbs 
or just smoking less throughout the day. And I used to feel like I need to smoke before every meal. I need to smoke before everything that I do. But I don't feel that way anymore. And I feel a lot more ready to like conquer life, I guess. And it's also affected like my social group too. And smoking is a very, very social activity. Like, I always go to places and ask people, can I use your lighter just as a conversation starter? Even if I already have one, <laughs> because I just like to talk to people and it's a good conversation starter to be like, hey, like, do you guys like it here? What are you doing? My name is Lena. And so it's also affected like my art is the inspiration behind my podcast. And so I definitely owe a lot to the use of marijuana, like spiritually, medicinally, recreationally. I give my dog CBD too. Like it's just fucking good. And it's brought so many good things into the world. And 420 day, yes, is a day to toke up, but it also has like a lot of deeper meaning to it. Um, so with that being said, I wanted to talk about the legalization of cannabis and the war on drugs. And so if you guys don't know, the war on drugs was originally a war on black people. And so whenever president that was at the time, the government basically put different drugs like weed and heroin and coke into communities that had a denser population of people of color and they did that so that they could incarcerate them and get them out of places where they didn't want them to be and they did that to cause the societal collapse of people of color as a whole and that doesn't just mean black people that means black people hispanic people asian people and so they do all of this stuff to basically eliminate anyone that doesn't look like them or think like them and so we've been fighting the war on drugs for a long time, especially as different states like modify their laws on drugs and on weed. And so the Biden administration has been doing stuff to commit to federal cannabis legalization, which would align the president with more than two thirds of Americans and about 80% of Democratic voters. Because guys, I consider myself apolitical. I don't really lean strongly one way or the other, but I will say like, most people in the world want weed to be legal. There's only a small percentage of people who don't. And even people who don't want weed to be legal, chances are they've at least done it once. And so with that being said, like we can't just talk about the legalization of cannabis in different states. We also have to talk about the racial justice for cannabis legalization because so many people have been federally imprisoned and are serving lifetime sentences just for smoking weed or having weed and people are able to just freely go get it from dispensaries now and so that brings up a lot of societal issues because if something that you did or had is able to just freely be seen and done on the streets now a lot of people's families are outraged because they have family members that they've never seen again or people who were falsely imprisoned due to weed usage and their lives were changed forever and so 
obviously connecting cannabis to like race and justice isn't hard and despite the like usage rates of like white people who use weed and non-whites who use weed the people who aren't white are more likely to be arrested for a cannabis related offense and a 2020 report from the aclu shows that black americans are 3.64 times more likely to be arrested for cannabis related offense than white americans and those racial disparities are meaningful on their own but they're particularly meaningful when you think about the context of how many drug arrests occur each year between 2018 and 2019 those data show that there were more than 1.2 million cannabis arrests across the united states and while in states where cannabis has been legalized there are significant drops in the number of cannabis arrests and racial disparities and those arrest rates endure so per the aclu among the states that legalized by 2018, black Americans were 2.2 times more likely to be arrested for cannabis, and that figure only dropped to 1.7 times recently. While legalization significantly reduces the magnitude of cannabis arrests, racial disparities in cannabis enforcement are institutionalized and affect every state. So the racialization of the cannabis that was not an accident the entire foundation of the war on drugs was like built on the resentment of people of color the resentment of drugs and the desire to be like unity by the government and so in this article they also talk about the history of federal and state efforts to outlaw cannabis as a means of dividing white Americans from racial and political minorities and to remove people of color from society via incarceration. In her groundbreaking book, The New Jim Crow, Michelle Alexander describes how the use of mass incarceration that disproportionately impacts people of color in the United States has been used to dilute voting rights, economic achievement, wealth building, and educational attainment. And the work by the Brookings Institute has Examined the connection between the criminal justice system and the concepts of economic inequity, including the racial wealth gap. And basically what that means, obviously, is that people who are victims of the criminal justice system, they tend to be poor, they tend to be black, and they tend to be not educated. And so that goes to say that the government basically had from the start intentions to try to push people of color down and it also says that they are purposely trying to do things to try to make us uneducated they're trying to send us to jail they're trying to increase the war on drugs and i'm not saying that to like be negative or to try to think of things from a negative standpoint because even though we've come so far with the legalization of marijuana and the recreational use and then the societal connotations behind smoking weed we still have so much further to go and so the policies in the United States were designed to harm those people for generations and many Americans from both sides of the political divide see drug policy broadly and cannabis policy specifically for what it is and that has led to like a decades-long effort to step away from the criminalization of drugs and find a different policy going forward and if you're not going to 
make it completely legal. I would say we have at least done some things to reform those laws that are already there and reform the usage of weed. And so, on a lighter note, guys, I wanted to end the episode by telling you guys that I also got some kiwi gummies from the dispensary. I'm about to pop one of those, probably practice some pole tricks or write in my journal. I'm going to eat a piece of lasagna in the middle of the day. Guys, I'm going back to living the life of 13-year-old me, okay? But I have a list of 13 celebrities who smoke weed, okay? Some of these celebrities are going to shock you. So number one, my queen, Lady Gaga has said smoking weed helps manage the physical and emotional stress of stardom. I felt that bitch. So she said in her 2017 documentary called Gaga 5 Foot 2, she said that marijuana helps her manage the chronic pain she experiences from fibromyalgia. And that's basically a muscular disorder and it can lead to a lot of different things like obviously pain and then fatigue and then mood issues. And so it says that she helps cope with the stress of the spotlight too. According to a Lifeline episode of 60 Minutes, she said that she smokes weed when she writes music to help stimulate her creative process. Quote, unquote, I smoke a lot of pot when I write music, so I'm not going to like sugarcoat it for 60 minutes that, you know, I'm like some sober human being because I'm not, she said. And so she also says the pressure to constantly create great music led her to rely on weed a little too much. And so at one point she was actually addicted to marijuana and she says she was living on a totally other psychedelic plane, numbing herself completely. And looking back, she does see now that some of it has to do with her hip pain. And she didn't know where the pain was coming from. And she was just depressed a lot of the time and didn't really understand why. I have definitely been there. There is a good version of being on a totally different psychedelic pain and a bad version. So I felt that. And so Snoop Dogg claims that Willie Nelson once outsmoked him. <laughs> he also said that he's supportive of his adult children smoking weed. None of my kids drink but smoke responsibly. I try to be an example and try not to be hypocritical. How can I tell them not to do what I do? It's just the way that I do. I do it very respectfully. <laughs> and then it says Willie Nelson, country superstar, is probably one of the most weed-smoking celebrities. In an interview with Rolling Stone, Nelson said the smoking weed saved his life. And then, quote-unquote, I wouldn't be alive. It saved my life, really. I wouldn't have lived 85 years if I had kept smoking and drinking like that when I was 30, 40 years old. I think that weed kept me from wanting to kill people and probably kept a lot of people from wanting to kill me, too. He is so me. And he says that he's capitalized on his image as a legendary stoner with his line of cannabis products, including coffees and teas that are infused with hemp oil. That sounds so good. And then Sarah Silverstein said Seth Rogen told her that she was the first celebrity he ever smoked pot with. <laughs> 
That's so funny. Seth Rogen told me that I was the first famous person he'd ever smoked pot with, which I have no recollection of, needless to say, but I was very honored. In a 2015 episode of Conan, she also talked about getting high with her parents. And then Seth Rogen has played in so many stoner films, like Knocked Up and Pineapple Express and stuff. So he's obviously really open about his weed usage. He also has a really nice line of like, table lighters and like vases and stuff and things that are just kind of weed and smoking centered and so he said he often smokes while he's writing and he doesn't know if it actually helps him write but it does help him not mind that he's writing and he doesn't know that if it helps him work better but it does help him not care that he's working and so who wants to work but if you're stoned it doesn't seem like work and in a 2019 interview with Stephen Colbert Rogan admitted to being high all day every day including while he's filming that is so fucking funny and then the ne- <laughs> this one i expected but it's still funny pete davidson said that he smoked weed every day to keep being in a good mood and so he says that there was a point in time where he was 110 pounds that's not a lot of pounds but he loves smoking weed and just couldn't get out of bed and I've been smoking weed every day for eight years this one kind of shocked me Melissa Etheridge said that smoking weed helped her through her breast cancer treatments and helped her remain happy throughout the treatments too and so if you guys don't know her she's just a songwriter and she was diagnosed with cancer in 2004 and she basically said that her stress level were due to the cancer and due to her family and due to the treatments and she recovered from chemo by smoking cannabis every day and keeping a balance in her daily life and she also opened her own cannabis facility called etheridge organics and etheridge farms cannabis so she's She's hoping to target first-time users and middle-aged white women with her products. I've got a keen direction towards middle-aged women who are discovering, hey, I don't want to take an Ambien every night. I don't want to have to drink wine every night to relax because I know those things aren't good for my body. So at least she knows her demographic. She's just like Gwyneth Paltrow, Slay Queen. And so then, this one kind of shocked me too. Woody Harrelson is an outspoken advocate for marijuana legalization. Actor Woody Harrelson advocates for legalizing marijuana consumption through his position as a board member of the national organization for reform for marijuana laws and then he's he's also a strong advocate for the decriminalization of weed and prison reform for people who have been imprisoned on criminal marijuana charges and so this one kind of doesn't shock me but i haven't heard about her in a while so it says bella thorne says she was against smoking weed for until an emotional role took a toll on her mental health so when she was 16 her boyfriend smoked weed and she would get so upset because she thought it was the devil's lettuce guys these are real real quotes by her but soon after that she struggled to get out of the headspace of depression and begged her brother to give her 
weed to help her sleep. And now there's an entire area of her kitchen dedicated to marijuana. But she resents the fact that people think that she does serious drugs. I get so mad and they think I take serious drugs, but really I'm just smoking weed. What the fuck? The second one on this list says that Wiz Khalifa has helped to create his own strand of weed. Oh my god. Smoking just helps to free my mind, slow my thoughts down, and think about everything not only in a more poetic way, but a more creative way in general. Oh my god. That's so poetic from Wiz Khalifa. Kate Hudson has talked about smoking weed with her parents. And she was playing a game of truth or shot with her brother on the Ellen show. And during the game, she admitted to smoking weed with her parents, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. And she also talked about how she would smoke weed in her closet every day after school. Oh my God, this one, guys, I haven't read this list before reading it to you. So some of these are hilarious to me. Kendall Jenner has been a self-proclaimed stoner for years now in an episode of kate and oliver hudson's podcast kendall jenner has shared that she smokes pot and the sisters quickly agreed that she was the most stoner of the family and so so out of all of the kardashians she's the one who smokes the most weed she also has this tequila line called like 808 but i heard it was like really bad and like a ripoff of other lines and it's like drop shipped it's so bad oh my gosh miley Cyrus. oh my (laughs) guys i smoked before i did this episode miley cyrus has said that she used to smoke a lot during her hannah montana days i definitely see that During a 2020 appearance on the Joe Rogan Experience, Miley Cyrus said that she had a hard time keeping a work-life balance while starring on Disney Channel's Hannah Montana as a teenager, and that led her to smoking a lot of weed. At one point, it was school, and then it went from, you know, how much weed can I actually smoke and still play a teenage superstar on Disney Channel? She added that her answer to that question is more than you would fucking think. And during the interview, Cyrus also said that she'd been sober since around 2019 after her vocal surgery and learning the effects that smoking could have on her voice. Interesting, interesting. Then it says that Pink smoked so much weed shooting the music video that for There You Go, that she could barely keep her eyes open. And I, like, I have mixed feelings about this because I'm happy that we can smoke weed and talk so freely about it but i hate that celebrities can just do whatever they want out in the open but there are literally people rotting in jail for just having a little bit of pot on them but with that being said i love you guys i hope you have a good 420 smoke a blunt in my honor smoke a joint in my honor do it all take some eddies i love you bye mm-hmm.